0: not a Cleveland state thing. This is not our sex. This is about the kingdom of God being manifest in Cleveland. And if you know anything about Cleveland, there's a prophecy over it that says that before the coming of the Lord, Cleveland, Tennessee will be a hub of revival for the nations. Well, we've already seen the formation of those things already happening, but how many knows we're not in the fullness yet? I mean, I think everything that's going on here is great. I think it's full, a lot of it's full of religion, dead, empty, dry stuff, but I believe it's in position so that when the Spirit of God is poured out in fullness, it's going to sweep the nations. And I believe it'll be a revival that doesn't just last a few years, it'll be a revival that will stay in the earth till Jesus comes back. That's the way we believe. I'm so sick of seeing revivals come in and and be sustained for six months to 36 months, and then they never go beyond that. How many believe God that the next great move of God that hits these states will last until Jesus comes back? I truly believe that. I think the thing of it is, is we we started asking God for revival, but we didn't start asking God to show us how to sustain it. And that's really where I'm at. So anyways, but... uh, I'm just ready to share the Word of God with you. There's some things that the Lord spoke to me at the beginning of the year. And like I said, I was wrestling with what I should say this morning. And uh, you all sang songs about joy. Uh, you spoke about mountains being moved. And it just so happens that here in the past few weeks, God's been speaking to me about supernatural joy. And that's something that I really want to minister to you because I believe the the Lord spoke to me at the beginning of this year he said when you step into 2012 12 being the number of order and government when you step into that year it's going to be the year that the true apostolic church emerges from the ashes of dead religion and I said God I believe that word and the Lord said here's the deal though a lot of people in the body of Christ have no apostolic concept we have no concept of what it means to be in an apostolic move of God well let me give you just a brief description Ephesians chapter 4 says this he gives some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists for the equipping of the saints. That's everybody seated in this place. That's everybody from the janitor to the businessman. That's everybody from the businessman to the usher. It's every person in the body of Christ being equipped to do the work. For so long we've allowed the pastors and evangelists to do all the work, but God never intended for them to do all the work. He intended for them to give themselves to the area of prayer, fasting, and the ministry of the word so that when we stand behind this sacred desk and preach this sacred word that you'll be equipped to do the work of the ministry. Okay, I love talking about this because nobody likes responsibility. Everybody's like, I pay my tithes so that Pastor Hank and Rhonda can do everything that I don't want to do. But no, you don't do that. See, it just aggravates me. You know, Pastor Hank, Pastor Rhonda, traveling, this is the way way I feel about it. Let me just talk about me. Let me not talk about here. Let me talk about me. And I'll be somewhere in another state, and people want to call me to pray over ingrown toenails. It's like, come on. How many times have I told you about faith and healing that you can lay hands on yourself if you have to? But see, that's the way we live, though. We live off of other people's anointing instead of getting our own. We live off somebody else's fire instead of getting our own. We live off people's ministry. I see people that will stay sick until they can get to a Benny Hinn meeting or Billy Burke. Yeah, that's true. And they wait for them to come to their city before they can receive healing but if you listen to the men and women of God from the pulpit you'd find out you can have healing the moment you begin to appropriate your faith for your healing you don't have to wait for some man to come call you out get a prayer line do all these things you don't have to wait for an angel to show up in your bedroom if you got faith in the word of God it will happen now you don't have to wait for anything else to happen that's just the bottom line and so the concept of apostolic ministry. So because we don't have a concept of apostolic ministry, a lot of times we lose some of the apostolic concepts in the early church. And that's why I think a lot of the people, especially in the American church, are, are look, I go into these churches and it looks like people were born on the dark side of the moon, weaned on a dill pickle, baptized in vinegar, come on, just sour faced miserable and the reason is is because we've learned how to do church but we've not learned how to be the church and we've lost the concepts of what made the early church great and so the Lord has just commissioned me in this year to begin to bring some of those old apostolic concepts and bring it back to the body of Christ because we are not fully understanding everything that we read in the Bible turn with me to Matthew 13 I love this text Matthew 13 this is a great chapter where Jesus begins to do teaching about the kingdom of God this is where he does the parable of the sower and following that he expounds on that tells his disciples exactly what he means how many knows that if you're a seeker you get the secrets he would speak the parables to the the people but the disciples The ones that were really seeking for truth, they got the secrets. And so he begins to expound on that. But then he gets down to verse 44, and then he gives them another picture of something. And that's where I want to paint kind of the background for what I'm going to talk about today. Verse 44 says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. How many can say that if you've experienced the kingdom of God, it's a treasure to you? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy. Say that word joy. For joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. One verse. That's it. I'm going to give you more verses, but this is the verse, the text verse. I have many verses that I pull from. I have many openings and many closings. You just kind of have to go with me. Some people know what they're doing. I don't. I just get a word and you just get it. So, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. How many knows that the kingdom of God cannot be seen just in the natural realm? It's hidden. It's hidden from those that are separated from God. But when a man uncovers this treasure, he will go and sell everything that he has. This is what Jesus said. He will sell everything that he has and for joy over it. Now listen to this. For joy he goes and sells everything that he has so that he can obtain this treasure. Now, I'm speaking in an American church. When's the last time you considered selling everything that you had and counted all joy? Baptist nods would be nice this morning. That's good. I'm going to stay right here because I know they'll help me today. Because this this might be, it's going to be tough for a minute. But we're going to get somewhere. How many of you have considered selling everything that you have and count it all joy? How many today, if Pastor Hank or Rhonda stood up today and said, we got a vision from God to do such and such. And we want you to sell everything and do it joyously. Sell everything you have to fulfill the vision. How many of you count it all joy? Let me tell you, we can't hardly get some of you to tithe. Now, they hadn't talked to me about anything. I'm just saying, I know the average American church, and I want to tell you, we can't even get people to do 10%. And they complain, well, we're not under the law anymore. Well, okay, you want to talk about New Testament grace? They sold all that they had. I think some of you might like the law. It only requires 10%. But in Acts 4, they sold everything that they had. And Jesus said, when you do it, it's joy. What? Joy? You mean, just take what I got on right now and go after you? Absolutely. That's what he did. For joy, he goes and sells everything that he has for the kingdom. Now, here's the deal. If you are a follower of Christ and your Christian experience is boring, you're not doing it right <laughs> If you are a follower of Christ and you have found your pla- found a place in him that is boring, you missed it somewhere. See, because the average American, we hoard stuff. That's why we have a show called Hoarders. We save the most ridiculous i got to watch what I say. Junk. Come on, how many grew up in a home where your mom took every whatnot in the house and found a shelf for it? <laughs> Dad. yeah. I mean, I, I've still got, my dad's still trying to give me stuff. 19, like, 60-something Pepsi-Cola bottles with the nasty Coke inside of it still. It's like, I don't want that junk. But that's how we are. We hoard stuff. Jesus commands us to sell everything that we have and He says, for joy over it. And we're hoarders. And it's a big gap between the Christianity that we once knew and the American Christianity that we currently have. Now, I'm not telling everybody in here to go and sell everything you got. Obviously, you need a home. Obviously, you need a place for your children to sleep. Obviously, there are some personal products that, trust me, some of us need. All of us need. We all stink after so long. There's some things that we need. So I'm not getting up here and going to go to a a radical pendulum. What, what What I am saying is, if it's required of you, would you do it? And if the answer is no, then I've got news for you. You've never experienced the kingdom in fullness yet. If you're not willing to leave everything that you know and willing to forsake every relationship that you have and separate yourself from people that are not going where you're going you've not seen the kingdom yet because I've seen people, I've seen it in my own life I'm not just telling you something that that I've thought about I'm telling you about something I'm currently living in I've watched as people go overseas and see the kingdom come in fullness. They come back to the States, sell their house, everything they've got, and they move there because they've seen the kingdom. It's not a price to pay. It's uh, oh, it's priceless when you see the kingdom of God come. It's priceless. And so if your Christian experience is boring, you're not doing it right. You say Christianity is boring. Well, let's talk about your life. The average American stands or sits in his house and watches four to six hours of television a day. That's exciting. Your, your life is absolutely thrilling. Think about this for a minute in the eyes of God. You're sitting in a chair, staring at an electrical box that plugs in the wall. If it's not plugged up, it has no power. You sit there for four to six hours and watch it and God's gone. You could be out there opening blinded eyes. Who's boring now? No, 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 no. No, we're the Facebook generation that lives vicariously through all of our celebrity friends. (laughs) I get in trouble every time. You don't like this kind of preaching because you forget that Jesus is still Lord and that there's a thing called managing time Jesus taught, Paul taught redeem the time but no, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter following Gaga which is a reincarnate of boy George from 30 years ago (laughs) oh you know I'm telling you the truth But we, but here we are, and we think Christianity's boring, and I want to tell you it's because you've not seen the kingdom yet. If all you think that the kingdom experience is, is a Sunday morning service, you haven't seen the kingdom yet. If all you think the kingdom is, is having corporate prayer meetings, you've not, listen, people are excited because they're having corporate prayer meetings, and they're doing a Daniel feasts. See, I I grew up old school. Fasting means to shut the mouth. See, we got people that if they think if they can get it in a blender, it's considered good for Daniel fast. I've seen people gain weight on the Daniel fast. This is American Christianity. which, she said, potatoes all day long, which you don't understand, turns into all sugar. You might as well have got a Kit Kat. <laughs> or a Butterfane. That's my favorite. So here's the deal. I'm, you know, I'm, I know I'm kind of making light of it, but but it's really a big deal that we've gotten so far away from, from real Christianity, and the proof that we've gotten so far away is we've, We've not been willing to look at our lives and say, I don't really need anything besides His kingdom. And He says, for joy, He goes and sells it all. Just smile at me. It's going to get better, I promise. Just smile. So, I think it's necessary for us to rediscover the true definition of joy. How many of you go with me? You go with me for a few few hours? Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on, one or two of you. The early church was filled with faith. They were a people who prayed. And because they prayed, they lived with a constant awareness that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And because they lived with an awareness that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, they were marked by joy. I think the reason why some of us at the body of Christ are not experiencing the joy that I'm talking about in doing the will of God is because you're doing it apart from faith. Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe. That he is. I love how it just stops with he is. It could have said he is something. It just says he is, which means he's anything you need him to be in that moment. Comma. And he is a rewarder of those that seek him occasionally. Okay, you know the word. That seek him diligently. Not when you get in not just when you get in trouble, not just when you get in a bind. but even in your mountaintop experiences you're still seeking him diligently right Christianity practiced with just mere rituals is dead religion you will listen if you go to pray without faith you will beat your head up against the wall praying apart from faith is the most boring thing you can do if you want something better than that go to a psychiatrist and at least talk to him. I don't really enjoy talking to myself. I know it's healthy and I do it sometimes. Mark, that was stupid. You shouldn't have done that. Mark, open mouth, insert foot. I have a lot of those moments. Okay. But prayer, practice with faith, understanding the promises of prayer, releases heaven on earth. And when you see the kingdom come on behalf of the prayers that you prayed, you'll never stop praying. The reason why some of us have stopped praying diligently is because we've been praying apart from faith. If you're doing it apart from faith, we know how to pray good prayers. But how many many of us actually believe in the prayers that we pray? Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for you. You ready for a simple definition of faith? Total dependence. Total dependence and trust in God. Faith is not a mystical term. Faith is simply trusting God. Here's what Jesus, Jesus when he would, either one or two ways, if people would encounter him or he would encounter them you realize there are some moments where you don't have to come to Him. He'll come to you. That's good news. That's how He saved you in the first place. Some people say, I found Jesus. No, you didn't. He found you. Yeah. They would encounter Him or He would encounter them and He would say statements like this. According to your faith, be it unto you. Your faith has made you well. Or he would say, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Or he would say stuff like this. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. But then others he would say, oh, you of little faith. Then others he would say, oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? Now listen, for a long time we've mistranslated that verse and thought, oh faithless and sexually addicted generation. Because obviously we think of perversion as just that. See, God doesn't see it that way. You know what perverseness is to Him? When you tried to do what He's called you to do apart from Him. When you come into the house of God and worship apart from Him, God is not mad at the atheist that shakes his fist at Him and says He's not real. He's upset with the people that claim His name but live their life apart from Him. That, my friend, is true perversion. True perversion is studying for sermons and standing behind the pulpit and thinking you're the one that's really doing the work. Perversion. Why would he ask these type of things? Why would he say these types of types of things? Why? Because faith is the currency of heaven. Simple. Faith is the thing. That God uses to make a transfer from the spirit realm into the natural. Faith is what God can work with. Listen, I'm going to tell you, say something that's going to shock you, but everything in this life, from the past, present, and future, all hinges on faith. And can I tell you something? God, this is going to mess you up. It's going to mess all of your theology up. I hope there's not a lot of Calvinists here right now. Jesus help us. God does not respond to need. I see some of you getting antsy. Some of you don't even like me. That's good. I'm not here for you to like me. I see it on your face. That's okay. Just hang on with me. It's not my word. It's His. Ready? Ready? here it is everything hinges on faith God does not respond to need if that was true then why are there still homeless people if that's true then why are there people starving to death today if God responds to need there would be no orphans today But what God does do is He responds to faith and when you give Him something in the faith realm to work with He'll turn around and empower you with the very thing you ask to meet the need of something that's not currently happening. You want to know how God solves the orphan problem? You get a heart for orphans and start believing that God's going to rescue the orphan and all of a sudden you start praying and then He makes you the answer to your own prayer. That's a good teacher right there. Now let me show you a process here. Because of the early church's faith, they lived with the constant awareness of the kingdom of God. Because they lived with the constant awareness of the kingdom of heaven being at hand, they stirred themselves up to pray. Because they stirred themselves up to pray, they were full of the Spirit. And because they were full of the Spirit... They saw the kingdom of heaven invade the earth through their faith and obedience and relationship to Jesus. And because of their faith and obedience and relationship to Jesus, seeing the kingdom of heaven invade the earth, they were full of joy. And because they were full of joy, they kept fulfilling the will of God for their life. Simple process, right? Okay, let's go to the opposite when we do Christianity without faith. We do not live with the constant awareness of the kingdom of God. And because we don't live with the constant awareness of the kingdom of God, we don't stir ourselves up to pray. And when we don't stir ourselves up to pray, guess what? We don't stay full of the Spirit. And because we don't stay full of the Spirit, we have no place to even be obedient because we're not even hearing His voice. And because we're not hearing His voice, the kingdom of heaven does not invade. And because, listen to the statement, you are intended to see the kingdom come, and you don't, you burn out. The reason why most Christians, let me even go a step further, the reason why most ministers get burnt out is because somewhere along the line, we stop believing God. Oh, hallelujah. You burn out because you don't have joy. And the Bible clearly states, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I want to tell you, joy, we're talking about this. This this was huge confirmation because Pastor Hank sat right across from me and said, Mark, he said, people want to see God's people have joy. When you were in the party party scene, who did you want to hang out with? The dude that's over there in the corner miserable or the dude that's over there acting a fool? You hung out with the people that acted a fool because you saw something that was joyous about them. And you think that America wants to come into our services when we look worse than some of them do? come on we're saying it reminds me of the story of the drunk man that comes stumbling in a New Year's Eve service and the pastor wants some people to give testimonies so they stand up and it's actually a testimony they testimony and this one woman stood up well this is what the devil's been on my back all week bless his holy name and and, and this has happened and my dog got ran over and this and that and this and that and this and that just miserable testimony the next person stands up same thing it's just well you know sister, sister so and so's struggling with this blah blah, blah 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 you know same thing and the pastor after the testimony service is over he points back at the drunk and he said sir don't you want Jesus don't you want him to come into your life and he said I'm sorry pastor But he said, my life's difficult enough already without... We've lost our joy. And we lost our joy when we started following Jesus without faith. Joy is one of the true marks of Christian experience. You say, Mark, how can joy be one of the true marks of true Christianity? Isn't self-denial, suffering, humility? Aren't they true marks of Christianity? Yes, they're all marks. They're all facets of the Christian experience. However, when you live with the awareness of a relational God who desires to manifest His kingdom through your life, joy becomes the fuel of self-denial. Joy becomes the fuel of humility. Joy becomes the fuel of suffering. I'll show you how one of the disciples thought about suffering. Trials, tribulation. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you As though some strange thing happened to you. Peter's saying, you really thought you were going to get through this life without a problem? He almost gives us a duh moment here. Don't think it's strange. Some strange thing happened to you. Watch what he says. But rejoice. Really? Peter? Really? I'm going through hell and you want me to rejoice about it? He said, but rejoice. Rejoice. To the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, oh, hallelujah, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. I love this. If you are, verse 14, reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, He is blasphemer, but on your part, He is glorified. So Peter, he's looking at the church and saying don't get messed up when you get in the middle of the trial count it all joy how could he say that? Well let me tell you why he could say it. Because Hebrews helps us understand the mind of Jesus now unto him he's the author and the finisher of our faith for the Joy that was set before him he endured the cross oh I feel it stirring in me Peter says count it all joy when you face persecution suffering and trial why? because he followed a man who counted the cross as joy okay Mark explain that well I'm glad you want me to See, the early church didn't live like most of us live. Their lives were built around a man who had an eternal perspective. Our attitude is this, mostly built, our attitude is mostly built around two things. You ready for it? Frustration and complaining. Their attitude was built around faith and Believing. We're frustrated and complaining because we live in our current circumstances. We live in the moment trying to fix everything in our own power. Their attitude was faith and believing and they live with an eternal perspective and because they live with the eternal perspective they expected God to move on their behalf. If you are in faith and believing, you don't have time for frustration and complaining. (laughs) So I've got some things that I want to talk about. We've got to get out of this idea that we're our own God. Trying to fix everything in our own power trying to do everything out of our own might, and step back into, oh God, the disciples' perspective where at any moment He could break through and move my mouth. See, go, let me go back. For the joy that was set before Him, he endured the cross. Why was it joy? Eternal perspective. You ready? He saw the outcome of his suffering and that's why he did what he did what was the joy that was set before him? it wasn't the cross it was the result of what happened after he bore it so that in 2012 in a building here in Cleveland Tennessee he saw you and you and you and he said that's the reason I count it joy but see, what happens is when we get stuck in circumstances, we're so focused on self and how this is going to affect us. But let me tell you something. I understand something about God, that when He takes me through something, He's, I'm not just going to get caught up in the moment. I've got faith believing that He's going to bring me out of it because when I come out of it, it's going to give me a message for others. So when, oh, hallelujah. So when the jo- what the joy of the, of the trial is, is this. I may be going through this today, but when I come out of this thing I'm going to tell others that are going to have to go through the same thing that I was exactly where you've been I was where you've been through and I have went through it and now I'm telling you you can make it out of it so now this word's churning in me when I first got it just a few weeks ago this word's churning in me and there's a guy by the name of Mark Ross my best friend and I always call him when I get a message because I, I need somebody to preach it to right now. Unless you're a preacher. Listen, if you don't wake up ready to preach and you don't every day have a burning passion to share something, you're probably not a preacher. Preachers were born to preach, born again to preach. We'll preach whether if you like it. We'll preach if you give us money for it. We'll pay you to preach. So, nevertheless, I pay Mark Ross to go to lunch so I can preach. He likes it, though. He likes it. But I was standing there, uh, standing there in, in the line, waiting to get in this restaurant. How many knows Cleveland, Tennessee, has always got just plenty of room for people to come and dine. So we're standing there waiting and. He begins to share with me. Now remember, this word's burning in me that, that God's going to move on our behalf. We, we don't need to be in a mindset of frustration and complaining. We need to be in a mindset of faith believing because the kingdom of God's going to come. And we're all going to be full of joy. So I'm bubbly, man. I'm walking into the into the restaurant and I'm excited. And he's like, what's up, man? I'm like, well, you know, I'm just studying the word of God. I'm excited about what the Lord just spoke to me, the message. He said, well, I'm glad somebody is. He said, because I woke up this morning. He said, I have stayed in this apartment for so long and he said my neighbors are absolutely the most annoying people I've ever met in my life they are mean they slam doors all the time they're they're all the time into something, they're loud, they're obnoxious and today I got in my car and their four year old walked out and gave me the one finger salute and made sure that I saw it I was like awesome great so he's complaining right and I said Mark also said let me just share with you what the Lord shared with you. you don't have to stay in that mess if you don't want to you don't have to put up with that stuff if you don't want to he said what do you mean I said when's the last time you thought about praying that those people would either get saved or move you don't think God's into those type of prayers? Either they get saved or they have to move. I said, Mark, here's what you need to do. You need to quit complaining about your neighbors and start practicing faith. I want you to go home. I want you to get the vegetable oil if that's all you got. I want you to rub it all over your hands. I want you to anoint that property. I want you to anoint the wall that connects you with their house. And I want you to lay hands on that wall. And when you lay hands on that wall, you command them to either be saved or move." ever thought about See, that's where we're at. We don't think about it. We let, oh, hallelujah, we let everything bother us. Now listen, here's the key. And I said these words to him. It's time we quit seeing the, defu- the dysfunctions around us as annoyances, but rather opportunities to advance God's kingdom. See, what we allow dysfunctions and annoyances to do is get us into a place of frustration and complaining because we live in the now. We never see through the eyes of faith what God could do through that dysfunction. Because he did say that I come to seek and save that which is lost. I came to those that were sick, dysfunctional, and I come to be their physician. Meaning that when you sit Jesus never allowed the dysfunctions around him to put him in a place of frustration. He stepped in and become a solution. Because he lived in faith. Listen to this. Let me ask you something. What would your life look like if you walked by faith? If you really walked by faith, what would your life look like? What would your life look like if the glory of God invaded every facet of your life? I want you to see it just for a few moments. If you have to close your eyes, close your eyes. What would your life look like if you truly lived by faith and the glory of God invaded every facet of your life? Think about it. Family members saved. Generational curses broken. Promotion, financial blessing. Funding ministry and missionaries the glory of God your marriage being stable the glory of God can I tell you that's God's vision for your life God's vision for your life is not for you to have occasional victory in one area of your life and then the next God's vision for your life is a life of faith that's covered in His glory St. Irenaeus, one of the early theologians, said this. I love this. The glory of God is man fully alive. When you get in faith, you can't help but to come alive. You get in faith, you start believing for the unbelievable. And God looks at that even in the midst of all the impossible situations around you, that you're still standing there believing Him. That's the glory of God. Because what you're saying is that I trust you, God, more than I do my circumstances. Golly. So my question is, or maybe your question is, okay, Mark, now you've pretty much laid out every reason why we need joy how can I activate this vision? Well, I'm glad you asked. Smile. God's given us this great privilege called prayer. This is a heavy. This is a deep word. You need to pray. It is the most awesome privilege that you can have access to the throne of all. Mighty God. John 15, verse 7. I'm going to read a few verses and I'm going to start my first closing. You get that. John 15, verse 7. I want you to look at this. I'm going to read 7 through 11, I believe. I like Scripture, I still believe it's God's holy word. I still believe it's inerrant and infallible. I believe it's a book that tells us how to live and not just pull nuggets out of it for how we want to. I believe it's still God's Word and we should let it be God's Word. John 15 verse 7 If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. I love this. That you bear much fruit. Jesus. So will you be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you. What's he start off in verse 7 with? He start off with prayer. Abiding in Him. And then he ends it like this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. (laughs) He's teaching us about prayer and turns around and says the reason why I've said these things to you the reason why I want my word and I want you to abide in a place of prayer with me is because I want you to be full of joy. John 16, 24. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Somebody should have took a lap right there. You've not really asked anything in my name. Another way of saying that would be you're not being my reflection because I've commissioned you to live just exactly how I live. When he says do something in my name, he's saying do something in my place. Which tells me, if he tells me to do something in his name, then he's done it before which means I can do it. I don't have time to talk about that. Just know you're called to live as Jesus lived. That's the whole reason why he came. Jesus' Jesus' great assignment wasn't dying on a cross. It was modeling a lifestyle for us to live. Oh, hallelujah. So he says, here from this point, he's like, you've asked nothing in my name, but ask and you'll receive so that your joy, smile, please, joy may be full, running over, fool. Okay, good. Don't let the annoyances of life distract you from believing God can turn it around on your behalf. The re oh Jesus, don't let me jump ahead of myself. Here it is. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Jesus says these words. Have faith in God. For I say unto you, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says shall come to pass, he shall have. God, he shall have whatsoever. Let me give it to you in the King James Version. Whatsoever he saith then verse 24 what things soever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them don't doubt in your heart believe those things that you say will come to pass you shall have whatsoever you say. what things soever you desire when you pray believe Let me tell you something. If I pray and a mountain moves, I'm going to get excited about it. Dr. Lowry used to say this. Before you speak to the mountain, you better have a place picked out for it to land. See, we don't even think like that anymore. We've lost our faith. These men of God spent time in prayer. And when they spent time in prayer, they stayed full of faith in the Holy Ghost. And they thought nothing's impossible. And their joy was full. You can't go lay hands on a blind person they see and you walk around like, well, glory to God, that was good. No, that's awesome. When God moves on the behalf of you, Little me, can you? Have you ever seen the Earth? How small it looks from another planet, even from the moon. And imagine how much smaller you look. But you, little you, well, some some of it's like six. I'm five eleven, 220. Short, big me. I can get a hold of God. I can move His hand. That. It's exciting Do you know what our problem is? We're too mountain focused. Listen, I have people come up to me. Um, this is why I still struggle with the word pastor because I grew up in a pastor's home and when the moment you get called a pastor, then sheep start coming to you. Oh Jesus my dad always told me where there's sheep there's poop come on you can laugh it's true I I is a sheep I know hallelujah (laughs) but they will come everybody comes you know people that we mentor and disciple and they will come to me and they'll, they'll tell me about a problem. And then they will tell me every person involved in the problem. Tell you every detail of he said this and she said that and that person said this and my half-brother said that to this person, this person. I was related to him twice removed by marriage. Marriage. And this person said this, and then Mark said this, and then Mark gave them advice, and they came over here and they did this, and then that person said this, and that, they can tell you every person, every detail of the problem. They can tell you all day what that mountain looks like. They can tell you every ridge on the mountain. They can tell you every type of tree. They can tell you where the deers run, where they've rubbed up, rubbed up against. The, they know all the markings. And then I look at them, I say, are you done? Then I ask them, you know everything about your problem. Do you have a scripture for your problem? We can tell God about our mountains all day long. But when are we going to start telling our mountains about God? We can talk about sickness like it's well it's not going out of style in this city we're the most spirit of is all over this city I'm not talking about marijuana I'm talking about we give anybody a pill for anything but everybody talks about their problem well I got this certain type of sickness and then they can tell you every correlating disease that it can lead into you're a hypochondriac but let me tell you about Isaiah 53. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes you are healed. Let me tell you what James said. The prayer of faith saves the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. I'm telling you, I'm so sick of people telling me everything about their problem but can never tell me what God says of how He can remove the problem. I'm sick of that. you always can talk about the attack of the enemy but what about when the enemy comes in like a flood the spear of the Lord will raise up a standard against it no matter if a thousand may fall at my side ten thousand at my right hand it will not come nigh my dwelling when the enemy comes in one way he has to flee seven ways when are we going to start telling our enemies and our problems about God now we're too mountain focused too mountain focused but the Lord says it's time to get God focused again let me I got a scripture for mountain focused people. You ready? Isaiah 40 verse 4. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill is brought low. Meaning the thing meaning if you'll really step in faith, see what we like to do is is we see a mountain and we automatically think in our mind how we're going to climb it. But Isaiah 40 verse 4 says He's going to take that high mountain that you were going to have to climb. He's going to bring it low so you can just walk right across it. He says every valley shall be exalted. Every high mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places will be made straight. And the rough places shall be made smooth. I've come to challenge you today if you can, tell. That it's time to believe again. It's time to dream again. It's time to look in the face of your adversary and tell him to go back to hell where he came from. It's time that we have confidence in God so much so that we don't even see our mountains anymore. For we walk by faith and not by sight. I refuse to let you and my generation live out a miserable Christian experience. It's time that we get our joy back. It's not going to come through seven steps to health and happiness. it's going to come when we start believing God again there's not going to there's there's no greater joy that can happen to you than you pray a prayer for your addicted son and that addicted son can't take the prayers anymore and comes and bows his knee to the, to the lordship of Jesus Christ there's no greater joy than you praying a prayer in this place right now and some kid at lee university that's about to kill himself gets rescued by the power of it. you don't even know who you're praying for sometimes but the fact that you do pray golly and the fact that you do pray gives god permission to do the impossible and when you see his kingdom come and do the impossible you'll be full of joy unspeakable and full of glory i wish somebody stand up And give God a shout, a hand clap, and say, God, I want my joy back. This word weren't for everybody, but it was for somebody. If they'll come and begin to play. I'm gonna do this traditional style. Every head bow, every eye close. Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for your word. It is powerful. It is life. It is spirit and it is life. I thank you, Lord, that your word went forth today to transform. Whether if that person wanted it to or not, it has no choice because your word is the most unstoppable force in the universe. I thank you today, God, that your word will not return into you void. And that you have sent me to this place today. God, we could have been any other place, but you brought us here today. To hear from you. And you're giving us permission to step out of our mountain-focused season back into joy unspeakable and full of glory. I rebuke heaviness in the name of Jesus. I rebuke depression off of your life. If you just, why don't you just hold your hands out and just picture as I declare these things that God's releasing things to you. I break every bondage off of your life that's been there through depression and anxiety. I break off every spirit of perversion off of you. I break depression in Jesus' name. I break anxiety off of you in Jesus' name. Now hold your hands out. I release joy to you right now. I release peace to you right now by the spirit of god in the name of jesus i declare joy and peace i declare deliverance over you right now i declare that the chains that bound you and the things that have frustrated you they are broken off of you and joy is being released now a fresh impartation of faith being released right now